You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Um, if you could open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, we'll be reading verses 1 through 13. Luke 11, 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father morning, New City. It is great to be with you all as we continue our series, Walking with God. And uh, we're going to consider what that looks like to walk with God in prayer this morning. Let me, before I pray, just give a, a real warm welcome in all sincerity. If you're a, a guest uh, joining us this morning, we are so glad that, that you're here. And we pray, uh, one, that you're welcome, welcomed warmly uh, but two, that God would even meet you, even uh, as you maybe feel a little bit out of place or kind of trying to find your way around here. We really pray that, that you might sense uh, just, just God's presence here in this room as we uh, consider this passage together beginning. So let me just invite all of us to pray together as we, as we look at these words. God, we just sang, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God, no matter where we're coming from this morning, all of us in this room need help. Some of us need help with responsibilities waiting for us when we get home. Others of us need help with real struggles and pain points in our lives. Some in this room need help of salvation. They need to know what it is to have Jesus cleanse their sins and to be reconciled to you. All of us need help in a variety of areas in our lives. 
And you give us access to finding help through this call to pray. Lord, there's some older saints in this room that can confidently say, man, I needed help and I sought the Lord and he answered me. And they've got stories throughout their life of them seeking your face and watching you come through and respond. There are others of us that have just heard that invitation, but maybe have no real stories yet of how you have been their help through a place of prayer. So as people who need help, God, what I, in this passage, on behalf of people who need help, what we say together as New City Fellowship is, Lord Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing our series entitled Walking with God and this morning under this category of walking with God in prayer. And just the main idea that I would get across to you this morning is this, it's quite simple. Uh, If we are going to walk with God, we have to learn how to pray. And I'll put the key emphasis on that little sentence on the word learn. We have to learn how to pray because of all the things that God calls us to do to cultivate a relationship with him, uh, the, the thing that is perhaps most unnatural, most awkward, most difficult for us is praying, is praying. We come to the Lord Jesus just like his disciples did in this passage this morning saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then he gives this You could call it an outline. We could call it the Lord's Prayer uh, as a response to that. And I can say personally, uh, in my own journey of the Lord teaching me how to pray, which he still has me on. So uh, I've got a longstanding relationship with this passage, as some of you in this room might do. So I was raised Roman Catholic. There wasn't a real emphasis on the Bible, but you were taught the Lord's Prayer. So like of all things, uh, you knew how to pray that. And I remember early on, part of kind of that system is you go to confession uh, and you share, you know, your sins and your failures with the, uh, the, the priest that's there. And I think for my first one, they didn't even have the box. Like we just had chairs next to each other. So I definitely wasn't going to share anything serious. Like it was like, oh, I I didn't finish my vegetables last night or something like that, like face to face. But, you know, then sometimes you'd go in the little, uh, you know, I want you to go home. And and then you'd you'd share what you did. And the the priest would say some things to you. And they'd say, all right, you know, I want you to go home now. And you need to pray 10 Our Fathers, 10 Lord's Prayers, so many Hail Marys. And literally what's happening in that moment, at least the way I received it, is like prayer is a punishment. Like, I've messed up. I've done what's wrong. And so uh, I need to go punish myself by forcing myself reciting this thing and, and, and attempting to pray. Like, that's how awkward and weird prayer was for me back then. But through the years, as the Lord has begun to teach me what it truly is to pray, the Lord has taken these words, this, this outline of, of, of prayer, and turned it from something that was once a punishment to something that I can say is truly one of the most precious experiences in my life. I don't know of a more profound experience that a human being can have than to go before the creator of heaven and earth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to ask that God would do something and then to actually watch him do it. I don't know of a more soul-satisfying experience, not even asking God for things or to move, but I don't even know of a more soul-satisfying experience than to shut yourself away in a place of prayer. Open your Bible and ask God to come near to you and realizing that he actually does. 
He actually meets you. And having the response of David, like when he said in Psalm 16, that God, in your presence, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So for us, as awkward and as unnatural as prayer is for us, I want to invite us to come before him this morning with just that same simple request that the disciples had. Lord, it's unnatural. It's weird. We don't know how, but would you please, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? And as he teaches us to to do just that. So uh, if we're going to walk with God, main idea, if we're going to walk with God, we have to learn how to pray. And this passage teaches us to pray, I think, in three distinct ways, okay? It'll be our outline this morning. How does this passage teach us how to pray? Number one, it teaches us to pray personally. Number two, it teaches us to pray powerfully. And number three, watch this, one more, it teaches us to pray persistently, okay? Uh, It teaches us to pray personally, powerfully, and persistently. Let's consider, first of all, the personal nature of prayer. So, A huge part of prayer is asking God for things. Uh, And it's not just that we can ask God for things, like he wants us to do so. God literally wants us to bother him persistently uh, with our needs, with our requests. He wants us to ask him to, to do things in our lives and in our world. And we can be confident, as we'll see in a minute, that he'll answer us. But if we don't understand first and foremost that prayer is a personal connection with our Father in heaven, we will quickly turn him into a genie in a bottle that exists merely to respond when we have some problem or need in our life. So yes, indeed, prayer is powerful. It will move God's hand in your life. But first of all, we have to understand that God is, that, that prayer is personal. And, and I see in this passage, the personal nature of prayer in, in a couple different ways. The first one is the ease with which Jesus invites his disciples to pray. So there's one question the the disciples asked their master, their rabbi, to teach him them something. And that one question was to teach them to pray. Um, And, uh, you know, you you would think if this was like one of the main things that Jesus was about, that the buildup to be able to pray like him would be a very complicated thing. So I think of uh, uh, Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi, okay? So, uh, you know, he's like the, Mr. Miyagi's like the rabbi, right? He's the expert. And uh, Daniel just watched him just whoop his bullies, right? And then, wow, so Daniel, see how to do that. That's incredible. I want to learn how to do that. And then the process then is, is like this complicated, you, all, you need to wash these 500 cars and you need to sand this deck and you're going to break all these child labor laws uh, so, so that you can finally learn how to do karate. All he wants to do is learn how to do the like one-legged, you know, kick in the face. Um, but he has to go through this lengthy, difficult thing to learn it. And so if Jesus's expertise is prayer, what, what you might then expect is, okay, well, disciples, if you want to learn how to pray, you're going to need to, you know, uh, cleanse yourself of these sins. You're going to need to climb up this high mountain. Uh, There's a lot you're going to need to do if you really want to learn to pray like me. But I love just the ease with which Jesus invites his disciples to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. You want to pray? Okay. Just, Just pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Let your kingdom come. Let, let your will be done. And they might think, well, wait, don't we have to first like cleanse ourselves or uh, do something to, to be presentable to God? And Jesus essentially says, let, let me worry about that. Let, let me worry about uh, you being presentable for God. You simply pray like this. Uh, you know, when, when you know someone professionally, in order to spend time with them, maybe you need to set up an appointment. Maybe you go through, you know, email. Maybe there's an administrative person you work with. But when you know someone personally, you just walk right in. That's the kind of access Jesus has given us here. You, you know God personally. I love how, how Tim Keller puts it. He, he describes, uh, you know, who would have the audacity to wake a king for a glass of water? Only a child, he says. And he says, you have that kind of access. You have that kind of personal connection. So, so that's the first one, just the ease. And I also see the personal nature here uh, of prayer in the titles that are used. So there are different ways we ought to regard ourselves as God's people. So for example, servanthood is certainly one of them. He's our Lord. We are his servants. Paul uh, boldly says constantly, uh, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus. Uh, a, a, a priesthood, like all kinds of title, titles that are used in this passage. One, that of a friend, that of a friend. Uh, secondly, that, that of a child. As we approach God, we approach him as friend. As we approach God in prayer, we approach him as father. It's as though Jesus is saying, there are times when you ought to think about yourself with the humility of a servant. And we certainly pray with humility, but Jesus wants us to understand when you pray, pray with the connection of a child. Pray with the connection of a friend. That's how personal, that's how close this is. Now, why is it so important for us to understand uh, this personal connection for prayer. There's, there's, there's a few reasons for, for that being the case. Uh, the, the first one is this. As we learn to pray, what, what we are uh, realizing is, yes, we sometimes lay before God just our needs, our situations for him to move in, and that's right and good. We should do that. But the primary purpose of prayer is, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. So, the primary function of prayer is for us to call down from heaven God's will on the earth. Uh, and the only way we can pray God's will on the earth is if we've begun to know him personally. How can we have confidence when we pray? Is this God's will? Do I need like 67? If you might will, like when I pray, like how can we pray confidently that we're praying God's will? Well, if you've spun, spent time uh, getting to know him personally in prayer, who he actually is, what he desires, what his plans and purposes are, then we're able to confidently pray that his will would be done on the earth. That's, that's one reason. I think another reason it's important that we understand the personal nature of prayer is because it's gonna give us a lot of confidence in our requests. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, enter boldly into the throne room of grace to find help with your time of need. Well, different sorts of relationships uh, depending on their, their, the, how personal they are, will dictate the confidence that we have in approaching them. So uh, let's say my phone rings on three separate occasions. Number one, my phone rings, so telemarketer, sir, we'd like to talk to you about your car. There's no relationship, it's over immediately. The second one, someone I know calls me. Let's just say, moving, uh, you know, uh, my brother-in-law calls me, he lives you know, right nearby. Hey, hey, Will, could you help me moving this thing this weekend? I just need a little bit of help with it. I said, hold on a second, let me, let me check with my wife. Like, Chelsea, are we uh, busy this weekend? Do we have anything going on? Uh, no, we're completely wide open. Man, I'm so sorry, we are completely booked up this weekend. It's slammed, I, I, I can't help. Um, but at least in that instance, I'm willing to like, 
listen, right? Like there's a, there's a personal you know, connection there. But, but how about this third one? My phone rings and on the other end of it is my child and they have some angst in their voice and they say, dad, I need your help. I, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. That, that's the level of connection that we have with God. That's, that's the ease with which we can enter in. And when we know someone personally, we can confidently enter into communication with them. And then here's the most important reason why we need to understand prayer in terms of its personal connection with God is simply for the joy and delight of experiencing the love of God for you as you pray. The joy and the delight of experiencing God's love for you as his child when you pray. I remember uh, a few years ago, um, I, uh, Emily was in the room, my, my oldest daughter, and um, I can't talk about it with my kids without, you know, staying, uh, uh, without getting emotional, but uh, she was in the room and I, I found this like little piece of candy. So I said, Emily, come here, I need to talk to you. So she came to me and I, I gave her the piece of candy and uh, she took it and she surprised. And what she said to me really, really captured me. And I was so thankful to God for that moment. She said to me, I, I thought you were just gonna call me and tell me you love me like you always do. And I was so struck by that in that moment of like, oh man, thank you, God, that I'm learning to show my kids that I want them to come near to me, not just to correct them, not just to uh, challenge them in some way, not just to tell them something to do, but simply to communicate the love that I have for them. What if there are moments where God wants to call you into his presence just to communicate the affection that he has for you as his child? What kind of father do you say that's actually the case? What if that's the, the pure reason he wants to draw you in? Paul the apostle will sell that's, say that's actually the case. So Paul's praying for the Ephesian church and he prays this bold prayer. For this reason, it's like an intense prayer, like something really big is about to happen and Paul needs a lot of help in order for it to happen. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven is named that according to the riches of his glory, he might uh, strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being. So, uh, and then verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength, okay? So Paul's like on his knees, crying out to God, these people need strength, God. They need, some, they need to be empowered in their inner being in order to grasp something. What is it that they need all this strength for? That you might have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know that the love of God that surpasses knowledge and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What if God wants to invite you to cultivate a prayer life? Yes, to get things done. Yes, to see his hand move in the world. But first and foremost, simply so that you might grow in your understanding of the length and the breadth and the height and the width of the love that he has for you as his child. Prayer is a personal connection with our father. And we have to understand that first and foremost. It's personal. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience the delight that he has for you as his child. And then as we begin to get to know God personally, here's what we're gonna learn. Man, our father, our father has work to do in this world. Praise God that he does. Our God has work to do in this world. And guess what his primary instrument his primary tool to accomplish his purposes in the world are 
Getting busy, uh, jumping in, serving, no, no, that's important. But his primary instrument, talking about prayer personally, to talk to many of us gathered, that I understand kind of that first point, at the very least, on like a, a theoretical level at least, that, you know, prayer is about communing with God. It's a personal connection with God. You know, if, you, if you're especially in kind of the, the Bible crowd, the Reformed crowd, you know, we understand that prayer is, you know, communicating with God. We get that. Um, and maybe, perhaps, if we pray perfectly according to his will, maybe once or twice in our lives, we might see him do something. But don't get your hopes too high, you know. Uh, like, like there's just this expectation that our prayers don't do much. That's not what this passage teaches. This passage teaches, first of all, that prayer is personal. Oh, but brothers and sisters, it is so powerful. And to describe the power of prayer, there are these two sort of interactions, these two illustrations. The first one with a friend, who if he's careful, he's not going to be a friend for much longer. So here's the situation. Uh, uh, There's these neighbors, I guess, and someone comes and visits the one neighbor in the middle of the night, and he has nothing to eat for him. So he goes to his friend next door, and he knocks on the door, um, and he, uh, you know, asks him, hey, I have nothing to set before my friend. Can I have some bread, basically? He goes over there, and and I love the response. The response is, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot cannot get up and give you anything. So he's knocking on the door at three in the morning, and the friend is like, go away. My kids are in bed with me. Now, I used to think that he was like annoyed because he was tired. It was in the middle of the night. I now know with kids, like probably two hours were spent getting those kids to sleep. And if you wake those kids up, you will get a lot more than a loaf of bread. Um, And and I love how the mother isn't even mentioned uh, because if the mother had been the one to wake up, like that guy would already be dead. It'd already be finished for him uh, if the mother were the one to receive this request at the middle of the night. But uh, the guy continues to knock and it it, it says in there um, that the story goes on to describe how he he doesn't give up and he gets everything... um, out of place as it was, he, he ends up receiving uh, what, what he asked for. And then, then there's this description of a son. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So the, the picture here is that of a child coming before a father, asking for just the basic needs in life. And what father, when, it, when a child comes to him is, you know, and asking for bread or something that he needs like that is going to give him uh, something crazy like a snake or a scorpion. Like uh, I can remember though, you know, just having a basic need uh, for ourselves at our church office. So a, fr- a member here at New City had killed a f- like three foot long gardener snake in their yard. And they thought it would be funny to attach it to our church office toilet seat with some like um, fishing line. So when you opened it, it looked like it was kind of coming out for you. That person may or may not be in this room this morning. Um, But like, you know, when when there's a basic need, you know, food, water, restroom, like, you know, you expect to receive that basic need. Not a serpent, not a serpent. What this passage is saying is God's not like that church member. Like... (laughs) When we come to him with our basic needs, like he cares about us. He cares about us and he will respond to those needs uh, with with what we have. So uh, the point of this passage is that God hears our prayer. Our prayers are powerful, not so much because the prayers we pray themselves are powerful, but who we're praying to is powerful. 
And when we seek certainly not, but I love, again, to quote Tim Keller on this, I think describes our unanswered prayers so well. When we come before God with our requests, he will either give us what we ask for or what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knew. He will give us what we ask for or what we would have asked for if we understood everything that he understands. And so with that, let me, let me talk to you about this. Where can we pray powerfully? What are the areas of our life that we can pray expecting God to move on our behalf? The first one is with our needs. So with the friend at night, it, it concludes that little interaction by saying that he received everything that he needed. Uh, the son is not asking for a PlayStation. He's asking for an egg. Uh, you know, he, he, he's asking for, for basic things and he receives what he needs. We can, as God's people, lay our needs before God, confident that he will provide. I read Psalm 37, 25 this morning. I love this. I have been young and I have been old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've been young and I've been old, the psalmist says, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. God meets their needs. And it then brings me to this question. If God is faithful to meet our needs and if we can lay our requests before him, confident that he'll respond, why does it sometimes feel like he's not actually meeting our needs? Why does it sometimes feel like uh, the, the righteous, his people, uh, have been forsaken? You know, why isn't it all laid out? Like there, there are some times where your basic needs, as clear as day, right? Like where you're gonna live tomorrow, um, you know, food on the table. Like it's just obvious, it's just there. Like God has just graciously provided it for you. But there are other times where in the moment you're okay, but tomorrow's paycheck, uh, tomorrow's uh, uh, food situation, uh, tomorrow's need, uh, there are some question marks there. It at least feels as though uh, our needs are not being met. Why is that the case? Here's something I've discovered in my own life. Sometimes God will allow there to be some angst, some tension, some question marks with your needs in your life so that you can go before him and say, Lord, give us today my daily bread. Give me what I need. And then you can have your mind blown by his response. Uh, sometimes God lets there be a little bit of angst there so that uh, when he actually moves and responds to your request, you can stand amazed at your father who loves you and meets your needs. You know, our lives are stories and any good story has uh, some tension in it, you know, sort of the, the rising tension. Uh, and if it were just kind of one event after another, after another, it, it would have no interest resolution to it. And you can stand amazed at his glory in responding to you. So I remember, for example, on this point, when the church was getting planted, so many needs, and we were so uh, confident, uh, you know, kind of my salary had been uh, taken care of and I was okay. We were bringing Brian on full time and we just began to pray. It wasn't clear how we were gonna be able to cover all of our expenses as a new church plant. And we were praying just regularly, God provide. We we're having different meetings and things like that. And I will never forget this experience of walking around in Tyson's Corner Mall. Like, why are you walking around the mall? Y'all needed money. What were you doing there? I was there in between classes at seminary during the time. And uh, my phone rings. I pick it up. It was someone with our network that said, hey, Will, you're not going to believe this. Someone has just anonymously written a $20,000 check for your church. And I could have fallen on the floor at that mall and wept. Why? Because our needs were going to met, be met and we're going to be okay. No, I was ready to fall on the floor weeping because I was able to say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord. Like he heard me, he heard my prayer and he responded. What are the needs that you have today? I don't know what they are. What are the needs that you have today that you need to bring before the Lord in prayer so that you can then stand amazed, amazed at his response to him? We can pray powerfully for our needs. We, we can pray powerfully. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but I, I want you to hear it. Like you, you can pray powerfully for even some of your basic desires, like not even things that you necessarily have to have to survive, just some of your basic desires. Like he's a good father. You can go ahead and ask him for things, things like uh, especially good godly desires. If you're single and you want to be married, you can boldly pray that God would provide a spouse. That's a good thing to pray. If you're worn out and you'd love to take your family on vacation and you're trying to sort that out, pray, pray, ask God that, that, that he would provide that. Uh, you know, if, if, if you have some just, just basic desire in your life that you'd love the Lord to meet, like you don't have to, you know, feel like you're taking it too far or you can't ask God for things like that. You can take your basic desires to God, but I want to focus more on this one. You can take also with even a trusting that he will powerfully respond to them. So here's what we begin to learn as we begin walking with God, like we're talking about in this series. What we begin to learn is this. We have plans purposes, and desires for our lives. But God's plans, purposes, and desires are way better than ours. And so as we begin to walk with him, what we begin to actually, like I've got surface needs, but actually my deepest desires, my deepest longings that I have, God, are for your purposes and plans to take place on the earth. That's, that's why the opening requests in the Lord's Prayer, God, your kingdom come. Yes, I have needs for daily bread and things like that. But first and foremost, the thing I want more than anything else is for your kingdom to come in the world. I want your will to be done. I want your plans and purposes to be uh, fulfilled in our lives. And so uh, God invites us to pray that, that dark places in this world would experience his light that missionaries and church planters would be sent out into the world, that people in our lives would experience his redemption, his transformation, his saving grace uh, in their lives. And uh, because for the child of God, the thing we want, the thing we desire more than anything else is for his will to be done, for more people to experience his grace, we can then confidently ask him to do these things. So here's a, a wild story of one that happened about six years or so ago. So I was uh, just leaving kind of the business world, about to become a pastor. We were getting ready to plant New City. And I was in Maryland at my in-laws, uh, my, my, my wife's grandmother's house. And she was having a little pool party out there. And uh, there's one cousin that my uh, wife has uh, that just wants nothing to do with God, organized religion, no part of it. We went to his um, wedding years ago. Involved, like his friend gave a little speech and they gave vows and whatever. And he, uh, a favor. Uh, well, we're, we're a number of occasions. I will never step foot in a church. No interest in it whatsoever. Uh, well, we're, we're getting ready to go. And uh, Chelsea's grandmother, uh, you know, Roman Catholic background and just kind of had this idea that like me becoming a pastor, I would have like special pastor prayers now. And so I'm just, we're just trying to leave, get in the car, come back home. And she kind of stops me. And this, this cousin of Chelsea's is standing right there and like, oh, wait, before you leave, he, will you just give him a blessing? Will you just pray for him? And I am so uncomfortable in that moment. Like, oh my gosh, but I'm going to find a way out of it. Like, oh, it's, okay, yeah, in the car, like we'll, we'll definitely do that for you. She grabs my hand, puts it on his bald head 
and has me pray. So I'm like, I'm stuck. There's no getting out of this situation. And so I just remember praying just like briefly in that moment, Lord, I just pray that you'd reveal yourself, who you really are to this man. I pray you draw him to yourself. Um, I, I just pray that he would come to know who you really are. And amen, and we go on. Years later, I get the story from Chelsea's mother. Uh, he, he and his wife have found a great church in Delaware. They're loving it. They're plugging in. They're serving. They're involved. They're, they're having an, an incredible experience there. Now, why, why did God answer that prayer? Because I have like special pastor powers to like be able to pray? No, it's because I've spent time walking with God knowing in that moment, God's deepest desire for this person is that he might know him. Like, I know that's what God wants for him. I know that's what God wants. So I was able to pray my deepest desires, God's desires over him and to see it come to pass. So my question for you, brothers and sisters, is this. Knowing that your prayers are powerful, what encounters with the Holy Spirit are waiting for you? What people is God calling you to pray into his kingdom? What broken places in our city is God inviting you to call out for to bring light in the midst of them? What purposes does God want to accomplish in this church? What areas of our lives does he want to shine forth his glory and the instrument that he's going to use are your powerful prayers? We're powerful prayers. We can pray personally. We can pray powerfully, persistently. We have to pray persistently. So this is probably the most neglected ingredient to our prayer lives being powerful. Uh, we begin praying for something, doesn't happen. Our attention drifts and we just stop. We quit. What, what Jesus shows us here in this passage is that um, we have, number one, access to God in prayer personally, and that our prayers can be powerful, but in order for them to be powerful, we have to see them through with persistence. We cannot stop. And he really shows it with these, these two stories. So first of all, with the friend. This friend needs some help. He, he, he needs some bread for his friend who has come from a journey. And it, it says that at the end of the day, the guy got out of his bed. He tiptoed away from his children. He went into the kitchen. He undid the little twisty tie and he gave his friend some bread. Now, why did he do that? Jesus said, does he do that because he was his friend? No, Jesus said it was because of his impudence that he did that. Now, what does that word mean? Impudence means boldness, demanding, refusing to quit. It can even be a pejorative word sometimes that, that, that's being applied uh, to this friend in this moment. You know, the, the guy is alone in his house, sleeping at 3 a.m. Uh, the kids are sleeping. There's pounding on the door. Uh, there, this guy has no social awareness, uh, no, no sense of, uh, you know, normal social cues. And we look at someone like that and would say, he's insane. Jesus looks at him and says, that's how you pray. So you just keep on that kind of persistence, uh, that, that kind of confidence. You just keep on knocking and seeking until you've received what you're asking for. And then there's this sort of conditional prayer that's, that's listed out here. Uh, he says, ask and I tell you, it will be given to you. What if I've asked and what if I, and it's not given to me? Well then seek and you will find. But what if I've asked and what if I've sought and still nothing's happened? Then knock 
and the door will be open to you. And so then Jesus says the effectiveness of that prayer is contingent on the one who keeps on praying like that. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open for him. Powerful prayer. Prayer that moves things. Prayer that changes things is prayer that is persistent. It doesn't quit. It doesn't give up. Let me give you one more story on this and then we'll close. There's uh, been a, a, a couple that's kind of lingered around New City, you know, really since our start, kind of in and out, sort of seeking Jesus, not quite sure uh, about him, not quite sure uh, about the church. And I know for a fact that um, their family has been praying for them for, for a long time. And uh, during this, this summer, we as a church kind of had this extended season of prayer. We had prayer on Wednesday nights and I would try to fast through the day and just seek God. And you know, there are times personally where my prayer life is just sort of in the morning as I have the Bible open, I'll just pray for some things. And then there are times, and I invite you to seek out these moments where you just sort of shut yourself away to, to, to truly give yourself to prayer, not to just say a few things in the morning. Uh, so for me, what I'll sometimes do, I'll just go out to the battlefield. I'll get as deep into that thing as I can so that I don't run into anyone. And, and during those times, I'll just go to war, just from the depths of my spirit, call out for God back, uh, 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 back this summer, just, just with everything I have, pounding on the doors of heavens. God, they've been here. What's going on? Why haven't you moved on their life? Just longing that God would do something. Months go by, nothing happens, uh, still, still uh, waiting, still asking, uh, but becoming discouraged in it. A request, he doesn't, but will you move your hand in some way? Will you show your faithfulness to answer our prayers in this area? At the end of our two-year anniversary service, comes up to me, man, I gotta tell you something. Last week, my wife gave her life to Christ and I just, I'm at a place where I say, I just can't do it anymore. I asked, are you, re- are you ready right now to surrender to Christ? He said, he was. He said he was. Are there people in situations that God is calling you to go to battle for in prayer? To get on your face, to get alone, to go to, go to war on behalf of. In order to have powerful prayer, we have to have persistent prayer. And in order to walk with God, we have to learn how to pray. So you might have come in here this morning, and as I was describing at the beginning, just honestly, prayer is a foreign language. It's awkward. You're not quite sure how to engage in it. Let's go before the Lord then this morning with some prayer of our own, just just with this request at the beginning. Let's go before the Lord right now and just say, Lord Jesus, Would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? Let me invite you to just bow your heads where you are and I wanna pray over us and I'm gonna pray and then I wanna just give you time to reflect before we come to the Lord's Supper. I'm gonna come up here and uh, get everything ready for the Lord's Supper in just a moment. First of all, let's just go before the Lord as his people with that same request. God, you wanna meet us personally? You want to communicate to us levels of love and delight. You want to reveal your glory. Uh, You want us to know you. You say, Jesus, no longer are you merely servants, but you regard us as friends. God, you want us to move things in the heavenly places with our prayers. 
You want us to grab a hold of the in our midst. Would you teach us to pray? Maybe Western Christianity that's just, we pray a little and then we get busy. Would you make us a people that live in the place of prayer? I think of Anna in the temple who, who prayed all her life until the Messiah came. I think of Jesus that was constantly finding ways to depart from people so that he might get alone with you. I think of the early church, the the thing that described them in the midst of all the miraculous things you were doing, the thing that described them was that they devoted themselves to prayer. God, would you make us people like that? We have tried so hard with so many different things, even in this church over the past couple years, so many things to respond to, so many things to build and serve in and do. And I know you call us to serve, Lord. You want us to. But God, what might you do through this body if you taught us to pray? Lord, in this moment, as we reflect, as we pause, would you crush our self-reliance? Would you crush our, our ability to handle it on our own? Would you show us how deprived and needy and helpless we are? so that we might lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. God, in these moments, by your Holy Spirit, you know, you close this passage saying, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In this moment, we are asking for your Holy Spirit to walk up and down uh, these aisles, convicting, communicating, calling your people. Would you send your Holy Spirit now as we reflect on your word to us this morning? We ask in Jesus' name.